Hello and welcome to Hitting the Bar, the football podcast. I'm Chris Carl. And I'm Jeff Saunders. Jeff, what a weekend of football, some strange turn of events. Indeed, there were, yeah. Um, first of all, of course, it's VAR, isn't it? Sadly, sadly it is. And, and I think we, we, we can, and I'm sure we will, discuss the, the incidents in themselves, some of which were very strange. But do you not think that a lot of these things are happening simply because they have VAR? Almost like they've got to justify it, you mean, kind of thing. Exactly, yeah. yeah. We have all these people in Stockton part so we might as well use them and yet when it was sold to us it was told it was going to be to correct the obvious mistake yeah i kind of see what you mean because we var is now an almost integral and essential part of the game it's not part of your match day entertainment you get your program your pie and your pints and then you have to have var at some point during the game otherwise it's not a proper game of football anymore yeah it's it's become an industry in its own right hasn't it Yes, they're kind of trying to justify it to themselves. Well, you've said it many times that this referee's limited company is a limited company. I mean, yes. they're, they're like a, I don't know, like a, an entertainment agency, but they don't provide acts, they provide referees. Oh, yeah, I mean, it, it, it is in and of itself an absolute disgrace that the refereeing of the Premier League is carried out by a limited company whose purpose is there to make a profit. How is how is how did we get to this ludicrous Alice in Wonderland position <laughs> where, that, where, the, where we have that? It looks like yeah, referees are now a commercial asset. Yes. Or not much of an asset, but they are a sort of something to be traded. Does that open it up a little bit to some sort of corruption or pushing oh, yeah. in some very direction? Much, very much so, yes. Yeah, well, let's yeah. look at the incidents then, because first of all, I'm a Tottenham fan, but I have to say, Lo Celso really should have been sent off oh, for a, a, a blatant stamp. Absolutely, no doubt at all. And I, I, I defy anybody to look at that and say anything other than he had to be sent off. Yeah, I mean, everybody has said, Tottenham fans as well. Maybe it wasn't deliberate. Maybe, you know, he was, he was a bit slow and he couldn't put his foot anywhere else but it was right. a stamp is a stamp is a stamp Mourinho did a Wenger and Arsene Wenger and said he, had, he didn't see the incidents <laughs> borrowing from his old adversary there a, a stock phrase to get out of jail well I, I think the the most intelligent comment about everything to do with Mourinho at the moment is well why did you expect anything different Yes, well, we'll get to that, I suppose. We're going to have to. But he said he didn't see it. I often wondered when Wenger used to say that, well, isn't that your job to be watching the game? Well, kind of. You'd, you'd think so, wouldn't you? Yeah. However, Lo Celso stamp, that went to VAR, the fellow at Stockley Park who's watching that game. First of all, came back and, and said no, no, no dangerous play. And then later on, the this referee's company announced that they'd made a mistake yeah and and the guy admitted in was it the 80th minute that yeah he'd got it wrong mm. so now i'll tell you what we should have now we, we should have a var company looking at var decisions. <laughs> so independent we, we inquiry. refer the var decision to an, another var var appeals yeah the announcement on lo celso is due on thursday afternoon yeah. <laughs> by the time they finish with it but it's just a farce it is i mean i i uh, what I don't understand now is the referee looks at it, he's not sure, or he makes a decision that VAR is saying to his ear, no, wait a minute. Well, in this instance, the referee couldn't make the decision because he was blocked. His vi vision was blocked. He genuinely didn't see it, and you can see that. Mm. So that went to VAR. They then said, no, no dangerous play. They then come out and later during the game actually no it was it was it was a stamp it should have been a red card but it's too late previously if the referee didn't see it as in this case he didn't because you say he was blocked and if he doesn't put it in his match day report then they can give a red card retrospectively but in this case it's already been looked at so low sell so even though everybody's now saying yes including var and the referees yes it should have been a red card it's too late they can't they can't take any action against him Co correct and one of the reasons given for introducing var was that the team that is punished is the team that have had the bad thing happen to them so in, in this instance Chelsea have been punished 
because the Tottenham player sh- should have been sent off. Therefore, they would have been playing against 10 men. Mm. Now, without VAR, what would have happened if the referee had made no no comment in his notebook is that the Premier League would have looked at it and given Lo Celso a red card uh, retrospectively. But who gets the benefit from that? It's the next team. The next team, yes. Play, not the team that, that yeah, so whose player was stamped on. So it didn't actually work anyway. No. That system didn't work before. Uh, it was just a VAR light because yeah. it was like not live but after the event. Yeah. But actually the, the team whose player did the offence, they get punished as they should do. Right. But it's the next team that play them that get the advantage. And it could be Chelsea's nearest rival. Yeah, well actually they only get half the punishment, don't they? They played the rest of the match with, with Lo Celso on the pitch. Mm. So they went down to 10 men. Next match or two matches whatever it is yes they don't have Lo Celso which, which is a, a punishment mm. because he's a very good player the way it used to work is the next two or three teams had got the advantage Yeah. plus if he had it, it, only in retrospect if he'd have been sent off as well then Chelsea and the next three teams get the advantage yes. and, and Tottenham get punished but in this case they didn't get punished there were a lot of other VAR incidents which we'll look at in a moment but before we do trivia this is to make Steve Steve happy because this is this is one about history and it, and it is famous history okay this concerns a very very famous football player that we all grew up knowing the name of and knowing the reason why we know the name so who was the first man to wear number nine in a cup final first man to wear number nine yeah i think it was the 1933 cup final okay first first man to wear number nine in an fa cup final all right we'll get the answer at the end of the show but back to var there were certain other incidents during the uh, weekend as well. The man at Stockley Park who was looking at the Tottenham game then had a two and a half hour break <laughs> to, to, I suppose, be uh, reprimanded or told, you know, what, what what do you think you're doing? He then had to look at the Leicester City-Manchester City game, which was a big game, of course, because you're looking at who's going to be second, who's going to be third, who's going to be fourth. There were a couple of incidents in that game. Leicester City still think, and they're still complaining, that they think they should have had a penalty. Oh, it's, it's Stonewall penalty, yes. There were two incidents. The first one was a a free kick, swung in. De Bruyne jumped up, quite well done jumped up because we've often said haven't we on this show that it's amazing how many times they duck yeah he didn't he did not do a jacker no no it was a jacker wasn't it granite jacker uh, mm. du- he's famous for ducking out of the way of free kicks but what he did was as the ball came towards him he put his hands in front of his face but not against his face they were away from his body and the ball hit his hands which in the penalty area which mm. is a penalty it should be yes because the ball hit his hand but the VAR said his hands are in a natural position and therefore not a penalty yeah but they weren't. If, if you move your hands towards the ball, which is what he did, it's a penalty. If he thinks he's using his hands to stop the ball hitting his face, then he is using his hands to, to touch the ball. Exactly. Which you're not allowed to do. So no, he, you're not. he deliberately, in fact, touched the ball with his hands. Yes. The fact that you, you, you're you protecting your face. I mean, outside of under sevens matches, I've, I've, <laughs> I've, I've never known that excuse to actually work on any football pitch. <laughs> no, that's, cynically, I may be thinking, but maybe... He was going to use that as his excuse for what he was doing, was trying to manipulate the ball's direction with his no, hands. I, I, I'm quite willing to believe that it was a genuine reflex action. He's protecting his face, yes. But that doesn't mean it isn't a penalty. Well, no, it doesn't, because it doesn't matter ball to hand, hand to ball. If it hits your hand in the penalty area, it is a penalty. If you've moved your hands to the ball. Yeah, yes. yeah. And he did. Clearly. And he did, and he definitely did. So that was one incident. He thought the ball would hit him in the face. He put his hands in front, and sure enough, it hit his hands. He moved mm. his hand to the ball by definition. Why else would he be moving his hands? Mm. In order to touch the ball at some, for some reason or other. So that was one incident, and that could have changed the game. Then there was um, 
the goalkeeper coming up and basically punching a uh, uh, punching the attacker in the throat with both hands. Yes, and going for the ball missed. Yeah, and and if you turn the th- turn that situation around, do you think that if that was done by anybody except a goalkeeper, mm. he wouldn't be given a penalty? I mean, come on, violent conduct. <laughs> yes, yeah. I mean, it wasn't maybe not deliberate. He was just very slow. But yes, but 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 the law for a foul doesn't doesn't bring in deliberate. It's no. not it's not there. It's the act. Yeah. The, the fact of the act. He punched. He punched a player in the head. It's a penalty. And you can have a debate about whether he should be sent off. You know, was it deliberate foul foul play or not? That affects the punishment, but it doesn't affect the fact of the it was a penalty. Mm. So unlucky Leicester. Not the first time this season. Not the first time. No, but there is there is another curious thing about that match. That for, I, I I can't remember seeing a second versus third placed match where neither. Team seemed to really care that much about it. <laughs> I mean, it wasn't it wasn't a passionate encounter, wasn't it? it was a, no, no, it wasn't. Leicester, oh, we're coming for you. We're going to get second place. You know, it, if you win, well, it doesn't make much difference. And well, if you lose, well, it doesn't make much difference either. Does well, it? it actually doesn't, though, does it? Exactly. Nobody remembers who finishes second, but they remember if you got into the Champions League next season, which yeah. they're going to. Well, Man City might not be, <laughs> depending on what happens with the uh, the UEFA ban. But both teams are pretty much guaranteed of being in the top four. Yes. Because, so possibly because everyone down to what fifteenth, well, with the exception of Wolves and Sheffield United, everyone's pretty much doing their best to throw points away. Well, exactly, yeah. So, yes. no, so nobody's actually pushing Leicester and, and Manchester City. They're in their own little mini two-team league mm. there, and you know, if you come second or third, well, you know, who cares? To be honest, actually, it makes no difference. Second or third. No Chelsea having beaten Tot, Chelsea having beaten Tottenham, though, you'd have thought they would have wanted to. I mean, they're, they're both teams are well ahead of Chelsea yeah. points-wise. But still, you'd have thought a little bit more passion in that game just to make sure you stay ahead of Chelsea. Maybe they were looking for the draw. It did finish 1-0 to City. Mm-hmm. Unlucky Leicester, though, because they did um, lose to Liverpool earlier in the season when they also had a, a the Stonewall penalty against Liverpool yes. at Anfield. Should have finished a draw. You, you look at Leicester's performances when indeed he plays and their performances when, when he doesn't play, and it's a huge difference. You know, indeed he does. <laughs> well, exactly. I mean, it, you know, the guys, he's a, you know, a force of nature. He's, mm. he's a wonderful player. And they miss him very badly when he's not there yes alright so that's that, that's the second and third sort of battle or, or lack of battle lack of battle yeah. lack, of, lack of battle but I'll tell you what though I reckon from now on we might see City go on a long unbeaten run you yeah. feel, yeah? Uh, I, I got the impression that, that Guardiola was using this um, UEFA decision to wind his players up, mm. and they looked a lot better than they have in recent weeks. So you feel there was a little bit of the siege mentality that I think so, Ferguson yeah. was famous for yeah. and carried out with a aplomb. Uh, Mourinho carries out with a little bit of a sort of bull in a china shop, and uh, rough edges kind of effect, yes. and Guardiola has, has, has used it in a, in a much better way. Yeah, I, I would not be. At, I'm not saying this is going to happen, but I would not be at all surprised if they went unbeaten to the, year, the end of the season. Right. Well, you're talking about unbeaten runs. Your team, West Ham, nearly, mm. nearly stopped Liverpool equaling Man City's unbeaten run or winning run of 18 games. Yeah, I d- I'm not sure if the, what the what the Latin motto would be for West Ham, but it would certainly have nearly included. <laughs> 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 Almost nearly. Yeah. 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 The number, the number of times West Ham have nearly yes. done something. It's yeah. It, uh, what, what is so frustrating about that is that having got to the position where they were winning the match twice, Moyes then gave in, threw in the towel, and took off Anderson. 
to, to bring on Haller when he should have taken off you know, a defender probably mm. and brought Haller on. It was the attacking that got us into the winning position. Why stop doing it? Yeah, he just handed the momentum to Liverpool. You were attacking them at that point anyway, up to that point, in waves. Yes. I mean, pulling. The, it's the first time Liverpool have actually been pulled apart in such a way. I don't think they could cope with it for large periods of, oh. periods of the game. But it did. <laughs> Liverpool being Liverpool went on to win 3-2. Well, West yeah. Ham struggling now de- desperately. Oh, yeah. And, and David Moyes did what I'm afraid David Moyes does. He gave in. Was it a fact that we can't believe that we're actually one? Was it you went one nil in the lead, then no, two just, one? Do, do managers do managers change their spots? I mean, Franklin on on the the football show on Saturday was was making this point about Mourinho. What, what do you expect? This is what he mm. is. Managers don't change their spots. Well, well, Moyes, I think he's he's very much in the same sort of boat as Mourinho. His way of playing is now so old fashioned. It's been passed by not once but twice in the last ten years. He's out. You know the, the world has moved on and he hasn't yeah you don't sit back and try and defend that because you know damn well you can't if you sit back against Liverpool they will destroy you everybody Mm. knows that every team that has gone to Anfield this year and sat back has been destroyed yes and you're going to lose anyway your minds generally you've got 90 percent chance of losing to a team that have not lost all season but you might as well give it a go exactly but by attacking them West Ham got to to one up and Mm. then threw the towel in it's one of those things that will you know didn't last very well but during the game I think it was Sky Sports put on a little selfie video from Gary Neville in the studio screaming into his phone uh, when when um, West Ham was 2-1 up and <laughs> screaming they're doing it again Liverpool are doing it again they're blowing it they're throwing it away and then of course moments later Liverpool scored two that won't last well uh, but Gary Neville obviously you know Man United fan desperate for Liverpool to have lost but mm. they almost did and then as you say maybe West Ham threw the towel in or yeah. couldn't believe that this shouldn't be happening to us we're West Ham we're not this good well Moyes did that and, and if I was one of the players I'd be furious mm. you know I would say look, look we were winning why did you know we're almost there yeah. This? yeah all right where does that leave West well it leaves West Ham in the bottom three still uh, I, I think it, it it leaves us exactly where I thought we were before and mm. favorites for relegation so you think you're still still going to go down along with Norwich and then it could be anybody couldn't it yeah. Norwich West Ham then you've got Aston Villa you've got Bournemouth you've got possibly Brighton and um, I think Newcastle are more likely to fall into it than Brighton mm. but you still feel West Ham are going to go down yeah I mean, uh, after we finish playing all these top teams, we, we got we got nine nine matches, and we're going to need two points per match from that to get to thirty nine points. Mm. Two points per match. We haven't even got one point per match so far. No. What, what is going to be this huge turnaround? Yeah. All right. Let's uh, nothing. I don't think. I think you're going to have some very very bad results from the other teams around you to make that two points per match not necessary. You've got well, to have the other right, teams losing all their games. Apart from what, Brighton, who drew. Um, I think every other match at the weekend went West Ham's way. Mm. Well, uh, on the uh, reverse side of the coin, me as a Tottenham fan, every sing- including the Tottenham game, of course, every game went against us. It yeah. couldn't have been a worse weekend to, uh, for a Tottenham fan. It's called karma. Is it? Is it? <laughs> you hire Mourinho. You just don't like Mourinho, do you? But I have to say, when he took over, we were in 14th. We were in 5th until we lost to Chelsea. And then Man United went and won. Man United won, yeah. And, and I have to say, and it don't like saying this, and I feel very strange saying it, but they actually look good winning. They look good, do they? Oh, f- <laughs> oh dear. F- Fernandes is a real player. Fernandes is a real player. And Mason Greenwood's the real deal too. Mm. 
that that final goal. I mean, the, the the way Fernandez broke and he broke sharply to the right to drag drag the left back away and give mm. Mason Greenwood the space. They traded passes and that finish was wonderful. But Fernandez, what a player! He's he's seriously good. Yeah, a lot of including again Gary Neville, but a lot of ex-Man United pundits and there are a lot of them raving about Fernandez, saying that he's going to be a new legend and a new you know superstar for the fans, and they've really found a talent. Perhaps they finally have because they've had some underachievers I think they have I I have to say though that the penalty that he got was not a penalty you you could see as they and the the BN sports people slowed it down till you could see he was clearly in the air before Foster got out and got to him Mm. he was in the air before now if he'd stayed on his feet he would have been fouled and it would have been a penalty it's a fact that he dived before he was (laughs) right his timing was out but if if he'd not done that it would have been a penalty anyway I suspect it would yeah right so Manchester United now up to fifth Tottenham dropped a little bit Mm. as I say we were in 14th when Mourinho took over we have won the last three we've been underperforming for a year I think under Pochettino with or without Pochettino I don't think it's completely Pochettino that all Mar- to blame or Mourinho that's done well I just think there's something there's something a little bit rotten within the f- fabric of Tottenham at the moment which surprises me and don't, it's not something I found myself saying very much we've been able to say it about Arsenal because it's been the case for years about Man United but there's something not right at Tottenham and it's not just Mourinho it's not just Pochettino there's something else going on I, I agree 100% it, it, it's very clear that there's something badly wrong there mm. and I, I, I think the final argument between Pochettino and Levy really gives it away that you know Pochettino wanted him to be shipping these players out to create room for new players to come in Alex Ferguson's fa- famously said every, every team every particular team has a lifespan of four years mm. now Pochettino dragged that out quite a bit longer he than squeezed that lemon dry yeah. Levy wouldn't wouldn't budge now Mourinho is, is left to, to pick up the pieces and try and try and do something now why did they choose Mourinho two reasons one we know what Mourinho does it's a low block in defense quick transition to midfield and then nothing mm. and what did he do at the weekend for maybe third match in a row defend hit a long ball to the big man only you don't have a big man anymore no. it's more his five foot eight but yeah. they're p- <laughs> Tottenham are paying 15 million a year to a manager who couldn't do what Pochettino did mm. end of last season when when Kane was out Tino changed the team around they played differently and still won Mourinho is now doing his typical Mourinho self-defense thing oh I've got no bullets well we're paying you 15 million a year saying I've got no bullets doesn't make any bullets we're paying you 15 million a year to find some sort it out some yeah, yeah. and he's not what, what we're seeing is is Mourinho these are the usual year two excuses in a Mourinho he's <laughs> getting them in early he's yeah. getting them in early yeah I have to say in his not defence but I very much felt for him last week after the Leipzig game and before the Chelsea game in the press conference one of the journalists said something worthy of myself it was it was a stupid thing to say it was naive and, and Mourinho just tossed his head back and laughed ironically and because the journalist said there was a presentation for Jimmy Greaves because it was his 80th birthday and of course he wasn't well enough to be there but they made a big presentation presentation before the Leipzig game and Harry Kane was there to present a plaque to Jimmy Greaves' family and the journalist said so you know you've got no strikers you've got this crisis but I saw Harry Kane walk onto the pitch and give this plaque to the family he looked quite mobile (laughs) walking and playing a football game completely I mean it's a different thing completely so the fact that he was able to walk onto the pitch why isn't he playing football was basically what this journalist was asking and Mourinho just went you know what how, how am I supposed to answer that 
Yeah, I mean, he can't answer that and it's moronic, but but then Mourinho has said almost exactly the same thing before, hasn't he? He said it about Hazard mm. in his last year at Chelsea. So, you know, oh, he, he, he looks fit enough. Why isn't he playing? Yes. And then when he, he disgracefully attacked that uh, that doctor, uh, Dr. Carnero, and forced her out of the club mm. because she said, my duty, and, and in fact it is a legal duty she has, is to the health of the player, not to you to tell me who should play and who should not play. He was not fit to play. And Mourinho got her sacked and thrown out and it cost Chelsea a lot of money paying her for the unfair dismissal and all that sort of stuff. So Mourinho's got a bit of the same sort of previous as that as that journalist. Yes, nobody expects footballers and I don't even expect managers or human beings in general to remember everything they've said and to be consistent completely all the time. You're going to say one thing in your defence and the complete opposite when attacking somebody else. Of course you are. That's just natural. And, uh, but Mourinho kind of is very obvious with it, I suppose. It's sometimes you, you want him to be a little bit more subtle about the way he goes uh, about things. Yeah, I mentioned two things about Mourinho. The second is that uh, I very strongly believe he was only hired because Joe Lewis wants to sell Tottenham and having a, a big, in inverted commas, big name mm-hmm. manager in there will, will help him do that. And I think that leads on to why we have the Woolwich Wanderers struggling, mm-hmm. Tottenham struggling, West Ham struggling. They have two things in common. One, they're all London clubs. Two, they've all moved from their traditional home. Well, sorry, Woolwich Wanderers. <laughs> How many traditional from homes? From their third third home yes. yeah. to their fourth. But th- they've made these moves for commercial reasons. And people who bought the clubs bought them because for commercial reasons because they're in London and the thinking is because you've got the huge population there because all the money in, in the UK is gathered in London you're going to make more money from it and people like like Joe Lewis people like the the, the owners of West Ham and the, the guy who owns uh, owns the Wanderers they're in it to make money to make profit F- football and the quality of the football is not one of the measures that they use are you sure? <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, that is the case. And as you say, Tottenham recently moved into a billion-pound stadium, state-of-the-art, fantastic, worth every penny, etc., etc. Previously, they'd been at Wembley. And as, again, Franklin, who's on our radio show on Saturdays, also pointed out, Tottenham had to play a couple of games at MK Dons as well. They had, didn't have a home for a year. Uh, they've been in this transitional period and, you know, players wanting to leave and Pochettino not being able to sign anybody for two transfer windows. And now that team is into their fourth, fifth year together, I think. Yes, they're out of date. They need It needs freshening up. That's a problem that Mourinho's got. But then West Ham moved to an athletic stadium, which doesn't belong to them. Yeah. It's, uh, and Arsenal on their whatever it is, second, third home, and also, all teams struggled in that following season. All those teams have struggled in the season or seasons following on from that move. I think it's plural seasons. And, and have a look here in Spain, where Espanyol went into the Olympic Stadium. Mm. Same problem. The, the supporters are so far away from the pitch, you create no atmosphere. You get 40,000 people in the Olympic Stadium watching Espanyol, and you think it's empty. Mm. And it, it's, the same, it's the same thing. Now, Espanyol actually decided to have a football stadium built for themselves. They did, and they improved Massively, although actually struggling this season. They are struggling this season, yeah. But the last few years, they've they've done extremely well when they're back into a football stadium. The problem with the London stadium is that it's an athletic stadium. Just one of the problems. One of the problems, yeah. <laughs> yes. They should they should be selling binoculars, you know. <laughs> like at the opera, yeah. Yeah. So you can actually see what's happening down on that the pitch a long way away. Yes, but it is like the offer, but more more divers than divas. <laughs> Let's move on. Yeah. Does it worry you to aim for humour and, and miss by so far? <laughs> No. <laughs> um, no, uh, let's move on then, because uh, Tottenham. 
previous to the Chelsea game, they won their last three. They did move up from 14th to 5th, but there is a crisis there, no matter what. Mourinho notwithstanding, it's something that's been there for a year. In, indeed, and you know, if you look at the, the quality of the the squads that, that have won the Premier League, take Leicester out of this, the Premier League is won by the team that spends the most money. Generally, yes, it is, Generally. yeah. yeah and, and this year is actually going to be one of the one of the strange years where that isn't the case. Liverpool's net spend under Klopp, have, have a guess what it is. Net spend under Klopp for Liverpool. Um, I, I dread to think it's probably around same as Tottenham's. I'd imagine seventy-five million net. Net. Wow. It's nothing. It's absolutely no. nothing. That's yeah. incredible. Yeah. This is Klopp managing those mm, assets, mm. buying younger players and making them better. If you look on, th- there's a website called transfermarkt.de and, mm. and, and y- th- you can click on it and get it, it translates into English. It, it has every player in every European league. If you go on, on Liverpool, you'll see that the value of the squad is massively higher than the price is paid for the players. Mm. Go on Manchester United squad, it's <laughs> exactly the opposite. Yeah, and Pogba's responsible for a lot of that, I would imagine. Um, well, Pogba's only about 20 million down. I mean, they were, they were worse worse than that. Worse contenders. Manchester. Yeah, and uh, but the whole squad is... So the squad is worth less than they paid, oh, far, almost far man for man. Less, far less, But yes. then that must be down to, apart from that they're not very good, or they're not, uh, they were bought... Manchester United spent more than they should have done, Farmer. but also they've been badly managed then. Indeed. So, Indeed. you know, they're up to fifth, but again, that doesn't mean anything. Just they've gone above Tottenham because we lost one game. But neither Solskjaer nor Mourinho are delivering what they were asked to deliver, not really. Yeah, and, and, and none of those teams down there are... are the, the, best teams, the best teams in the chasing pack are Wolves, who are clearly the best, the best team out of that lot, and Sheffield United. And Sheffield United. And, and, or, or United. The United, yeah. Yep, the yep. United. And uh, I just hope both those teams can, can get a bit, bit more consistency and, and keep going. Well, I just wanted to mention Wolves because, of course, they had a great week in Europe. And they did, yeah. Following that, they went on and won again. Yeah. But I just wanted to mention you talk about the outstanding talents. Uh, Schotter for Wolves. Oh. Portuguese. Yeah. That's a surprise. Yeah. yeah. He's f- superb, though, isn't he? He's absolutely oh, brilliant. Can't player, stop yeah. scoring. You know, a bit like Haaland in Germany. But the, mm. the, his, his score right now, Schotter, is absolutely... So many shots from Schotter are mm. going into the goal. He's a brilliant player. He's and Wolves are going to struggle to hold on to him, I think. Oh, I, I, well, I, I would think so. It depends. I mean, if they get into the Premier League, into the Champions League, sorry, um, they'll hold on to him. They're not going to get into the Champions League, Wolves, I, well, don't, I don't think. Know. I don't know. We'll see. Well, we were saying earlier we think Leicester and City have got it sewn up for second and third. Yeah, but let, let's imagine that City's appeal doesn't work. Mm. So we're now going down to fifth place in the... Yep, to uh, that. No, it's possible. It's possible. It could be... Uh, well, fifth could be any one of Tottenham, Manchester United, Wolves or Sheffield United. Yeah, look, look, at, the, look at the league table and, and look at the points per match that each team has played and then think, OK, this team goes on a run of three games, mm. winning three games in a row. You... you, you Jump up that league a long way. So if if Sheffield United and Wolves got a running a running streak and maybe you know City don't or Leicester don't or Chelsea don't Chelsea quite possibly could go on a losing streak of three games. Could do, but they they looked you know they they looked much better against Tottenham. Now, and now that's partly because they got. 
got players back from injury. So th- mm. there were players playing that, that had been out for the previous three or four games and, and they looked very good. Chelsea's problem has been they haven't got the goals that their attacking play warrants. And and you can see that if you look at the, the official stats, this XG stat. Chelsea's XG is far higher than the number of goals they scored. They should have scored many, many more goals. Now, you can't blame Lampard for that. That's mm. the players. They should have taken the chances. Unfortunately, Chelsea are also conceding too many goals from set pieces and their defence has been poor. And that, I'm afraid, you can park at the door of Lampard. What have you been doing down there in Chobham on the on the training pitch? Your defence is no better now than it was at the start of the season. Talking of which, didn't two, well, the two goals, didn't the two goals that West Ham scored against Liverpool both come from set pieces, by the way? Hmm. Both from corners, I think. That's quite weird, considering how good Liverpool are. You'd think they and, would have that covered. And incredibly unusual for West Ham as well. And unusual <laughs> for West Ham, yeah. Yeah, so set pieces still uh, playing a big part. But had, just theoretically, had Chelsea beat, you know, back to their full strength or almost full strength as they were, beating Tottenham 2-1. If Tottenham had been at full strength, and that means Ndombele fully fit, Lamella fully fit, Harry Kane and Son, and Sissoko, who's also a long-term injury, had all those players been available and fully fit for Tottenham, how different would that game have been? Well, that would depend on, on how Mourinho wanted them to play. I suspect he wouldn't have played all of them. He would have, it's an away match, so he would have set out to defend because mm. that's what he does. But I, I just think that if Harry Kane or Son, one of the two, mm. had been on the pitch, I think we may have come away with at least a draw. I do feel. It's, it's possible, but Tottenham didn't play very well. They they attacked a bit at the end, but it, it wasn't convincing. I, th- I think you're more likely to beat that Chelsea defence with, with movement from quick players. Like, you know, M- Mora should have been ideal mm. in there if he mm. had any support. But you don't lump high balls to a centre forward who's five foot eight. Yeah. You know, it's. No. <laughs> I'll give you a clue, it won't work. It won't, no. Before we move on to the games coming up of the next round in the Premier League, let's have a little look at the European games. You're both Champions League and Europa League. My team Tottenham, of course, lost narrowly 1-0 to Leipzig and actually, again, towards the end of the second half or halfway through the second half, started playing quite well, but they lost. But they lost. I don't think... Well, you lost narrowly in... in Score-wise. Score-wise, yeah. I mean, you were you had a 1-0 thrashing there. To be yeah, 1-0 honest. thrashing. I mean, Leipzig looked, looked so well coached, so well drilled. It's it's not a boring thing because w- when teams attack the way they did, wave after wave, it's really exciting to watch. Mm. Even though no goals going in doesn't yeah, make any they difference. Have, they should have scored more and don't quite know why Timo Werner and, and his friends didn't, but they didn't, so Tottenham still theoretically in with a chance. I think so. I mean, if, if anybody can win away after a narrow 1-0 thrashing, uh, it is Mourinho. He has got form for that kind of uh, performance. Yeah, but he's got to be a lot more positive than he, he's been so far, and he was at the weekend, with parking the bus and hoofing the ball to the big guy up front. He's got to bring on the only striker that we have, Troy Parrott, who's Indeed. pretty much almost untested, very inexperienced, but also, you know, bright prospect, so he might have to just risk it. It's a one game. Yeah, You're either in or you're out, so it's one game you know if you lose you lose if you don't at least you've given it your all but it's not a league game well I, I think Levy would be entitled to ask Mourinho why, why are we paying for this player to be in the first team squad if you're mm. not going to play him if you think he's not ready we'll send him out on loan to someone and they'll make him ready yes so yeah. look, look, look at you know Manchester United I mean I'm, I'm no fan of Solskjaer as a manager but he's he was forced to play Mason Greenwood he played him and he's looking great yeah and suddenly he's knocking on the England yeah. door yeah and, and and justifiably so he should be and 
so why can Troy Parrott, if he's good enough to be in your first team squad, he's good enough to play by definition? Yeah, I feel we keep repeating ourselves on that one. Parrott fashion. Indeed. However, however, so Troy Parrott, will he be in or out for the Leipzig game, the return leg? Wolves won in won their game. Arsenal won away at Olympiacos. Man United came away from Bruce with a credible draw. Mm. The other teams are you know, doing okay, apart from Tottenham. <laughs> In Europe. Well, yes, exactly. And uh, where are we with uh, Chelsea Chelsea Bayern tonight? Yes, Chelsea Bayern. That's a big one. That's a big game. I think Chelsea will lose. I don't think so because German teams, and and Bayern Munich in particular this applies to, tend to get very defensive when they play English teams. So uh, I can see a draw tonight or a, a, a win by one goal for Chelsea. Right, I don't think Chelsea will win. Let's put it that way. I don't know. We'll see. By the way, the other team, of course, uh, that played last week was Liverpool, who narrowly got beaten 1-0. So not all good for every team in, in, uh, in the English league, but still, they'll probably go on and win the home leg. Right, you'd, you'd, you'd bet them to overcome a 1-0 thing at, in, at Anfield in European European night, wouldn't you? You would. You would. You've said on this podcast before that despite league problems, Real Madrid are a one-game team, yeah. a cup team. They are at home this week. To re- by the time people are listening to this podcast, it might all be over. But bear in mind, we, you know, we have to record this at some point. So it's a Tuesday. Uh, Real Madrid play Manchester City this week in the Champions League. First mm. leg of their last 16. Real yeah. Madrid at home. That's going to be quite a match, I think. Yeah. yeah, I think, you know, Man City, they could come away with a draw from that one, but I think Real Madrid, if they show up, they'll be looking for goals. I don't know. I, I think the issue is is more Guardiola's mindset. Sometimes, particularly in, well, in the Champions League, not sometimes, it has been every time in the Champions League, he overthinks and he sets his team up to beat the opposition. Now, you compare that to Wolves manager Espirito Santo and United's manager Chris Wilder. They set their teams up to be the best they can be. And I think that's how you beat Real Madrid. Ah, you mean that Guardiola, yes, so Guardiola changes his game yeah. plan depending on who he's playing. So he's playing to the weaknesses of the other team yes. rather than the strengths of his own. Yes. Which Wilder said, look, you know, this is what you guys this can do, go and do it. Yeah, this is how we are, this is what we're going to do. No matter who we play. it's up to you to stop us. And, and Guardiola has been doing that for the for the last three years, and that's the reason City have gone out. All right, so they might just over overthink it. Yeah, if he, if he just picks his best 11 players and say, says, OK, boys, it's only Real Madrid, go out and have fun, they'll win. Yeah, I mean, actually, Mourinho does actually do the same, doesn't he? Tries to outthink his opposition. Yes, yeah. And sometimes you've just got to go, you know, just boys, go out and play like you can. Yeah. Doesn't matter who you're playing, actually. Uh, so that's Real Madrid against Man City. Let's have a little look at the Premier League games because obviously we are getting to that nail-biting crunch time part of the league. Norwich against Leicester. Could be a defining moment for both teams, I suppose. Well, in uh, what Norwich and they're nailed on relegation. Yes. Yeah, three-one to Leicester. Yeah, three-one to Leicester. I think I'll have to go with that. You think Norwich might get a goal, um, yeah. but Leicester will need that win as well, despite their sort of nonchalant a- attitude. Yeah. <laughs> Let's say fair attitude to finishing fourth or third. Yeah, Le- Leicester are, uh, are materially worse without Indeedy and Chilwell at left back has not had a good season. So yeah, unexpectedly, yeah, because he was a bright young prospect as well, wasn't he? Well, that yeah, exactly. Everybody was going to buy, and now he's sort of not there, is he? he he's th- there is a, a pattern emerging that, that when he's uh, when he's one on one against a very good player, he doesn't look nearly as good. Mm-hmm. And if if you if you start saying old oh, players are good because of what you've seen them do going forward, remember this defenders first. So that is uh, Norwich losing at home to Leicester, Brighton against Crystal Palace. Yeah, it's not Brighton. a derby. It's not a derby. Far away from each other. The fans like to think it is a sort of. There's a rivalry between them, stupidly, really, but it's Eagles against Seagulls. 
Yeah. <laughs> I'm saying that as a draw. I think a draw. I'm saying too. that as a draw. Crystal Palace in a bit of trouble. They've got to sort of pull themselves out of it, but there are teams below them that are a lot worse than them, so they'll stay up just, I think, Crystal Palace. I think so, yeah. But that's a draw, Brighton against Palace. Bournemouth against Chelsea. Uh, Bournemouth lost to Burnley 3-0 last weekend. Chelsea beat Tottenham. Chelsea are away... And they are inconsistent, win one, lose one. So Chelsea are away, so it's an advantage to Chelsea. Um, <laughs> yeah, they're, they're worse at home apart from... <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think Chelsea will win. I think the question is, will they concede a goal or not? Um, yeah, yeah, they will. 2-1 to Chelsea. Yes, I'm hoping for a draw, because uh, obviously I need Tottenham to have teams like Chelsea and Man United and Wolves and Sheffield United drop points. Mm. But I can't see Chelsea dropping more than two points away. It won't be; they won't lose at Bournemouth. That's for sure. So. Not good enough to beat Chelsea even at home. Newcastle against Burnley. I'm saying Burnley win. My gut feel is Burnley win, but I'll go for a home win for Newcastle. You're going for Newcastle, yeah. all right? And then we've got West Ham nil. West Ham against Southampton. <sighs> chance for three points there. It should be a chance for three points, shouldn't it? Yeah. Um, so Southampton to win. Um, <laughs> so I think West Ham to nearly win. Nearly win, yeah. We'll, we'll have a nearly. <laughs> the nearly boys yeah oh i don't know no I'll, I'll say west ham will win that i think they'll be so buoyed up by the the performance against liverpool mm. for 70 minutes yeah they, they were beating them they were actually beating them yeah, for some parts be of the beaten game by your own manager yes <laughs> no no west ham will win that west ham to beat southampton i'm going to go i'm going to say draw and watford against liverpool yeah oh. well well watford nearly beat liverpool at anfield didn't they they, they did they're they another team very almost. close yeah you, you have to keep coming liverpool have got too much for them yeah you have to say liverpool are going to win that there's no there's no doubt in my mind uh, Watford to lose to Liverpool big game Everton against Manchester United home win there I think mm-hmm. we're going for Everton to beat Man United yes uh, I am going to go with a draw for that one and then Tottenham against Wolves oh. a six a veritable six pointer really we're both looking for well at the very least a Europa League place it, it, it the kind of advantage to Tottenham in this because Wolves are a counter-attacking team I mean, it, it's, it's not that oh we're going to defend and counter-attack it's their style and everything mm. is everything is, is, is worked really brilliantly but if Tottenham don't attack them then Wolves can't counter-attack and Tottenham won't attack them so <laughs> um, both stood in their own half <laughs> yeah, I, I think the draw I'm going to go for Tottenham to win 2-1 uh, and then also on Sunday that game's on Sunday but also on Sunday is the EFL Cup the old League Cup final. Oh, the League Cup. It's the final on Sunday. Aston Villa against Man City. Just a question of how, how many, many will v- how <laughs> many will Villa lose by? I think it is. Yes. Sadly, I mean Villa. Or, you know, another team in the relegation battle. They want to won't want to get too many injuries or tire out players because they could still possibly probably go down. Well, and I they don't want to win the cup and go down because that that not a, a something you want to be recognised for, is it? Well, well, let's be clear here. It's not the cup. It's a cup. A cup. Yeah. The cup is the FA Cup. The FA Cup. This is um, another cup. I, I think the issue is is whether whether Smith, Dean Smith, the uh, the manager of, of Villa, carries out the threat that he he said on uh, after their last match. He said there were so many players there not, not performing that have played themselves out of the cup final. Mm-hmm. So He's just going to say, look, you know, give a chance to unknown players, basically. It might not be a bad thing to do because he's, he's going to lose anyway. Yeah. He is going to lose. You might, you might as well just say, listen, you know, you 12-year-olds, <laughs> stop playing happy sack and get get, get on the coach. Yeah, he may, he, I think he may as well, to be quite honest. I can't see... It doesn't matter what team he puts up against Man City. No, I can't see any way he wins. No. And And... With all due respect, Aston Villa are sort of there by default because they played 
a previous game. The semi-final was against Leicester, but the quarter-final was against Liverpool, and they did put out a completely different squad. Not one player was a you know regular Premier League player. They sort of got a little bit of a, not a buy completely. They still had to play, but they were given an advantage. Well, yeah, but then they had to beat Leicester and, and did so. That's okay. Yeah, true enough. All right, so we're we're saying Man City are going to win that. It's just a yeah. question of how by how much by yeah. how many. I'd love to see Villa win that. I would. Oh, it'd be wonderful. It's not going to happen. I uh, don't think so. That's the um, the second cup final, the second the, the second tier cup. Yeah. Yeah, not the cup. All right, that's just about all we've got time for. But uh, before we before we sign off, Jeff, uh, the question and answer to your trivia question. Right. Okay. the The question was, who was the first man to wear number nine in a cup final? Before I tell you who it is, I'll explain why he was the first one to wear number nine. They didn't have numbers before this, so the team, which was Everton, were numbered one to eleven, right. and the and the opposition team were numbered twenty to thirty one. Why? <laughs> Why did they decide even to have numbers at that point? Then it's a bit weird, isn't it? I don't know. I don't know. But uh, but the man, the first man to wear number nine in the cup final was Dixie Dean. Oh, Dixie Dean. What a name, of course. No matter how young or old you are, if you're a football fan, you've heard the name. Yeah, and you know it because he's the record goal scorer in the league. In the 1927-28 season, he scored 60, that's 6-0. 60 goals? League goals. League goals. Yeah. Ronaldo, <laughs> look and learn. Yeah. You're rubbish. Look well, at that. Abs- absolutely. <laughs> Dixie Dean, who's just a legend. Yeah. So, Ronaldo, sit down, man. Sit, just sit down. Uh, that is 60 goals in one short season. And uh, we, sh- we should mention this because by the time the, the next podcast comes out, the anniversary will have passed. Dixie Dean died on the 1st of March, 1980, 40 years ago this Sunday. So, there is the legend that was Dixie Dean and the first player to ever wear the number nine on his back. This has been Hitting the Bar, the football podcast with me, Chris Carl. And Jeff Saunders. Join us next week for more Hitting the Bar, the football podcast. 